Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Every week, we get a chance to share the love of Jesus through music, art, and biblical teaching, and we're so glad that you're here to be a part of it. Let's get started. Welcome to Renaissance. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff, and I am one of the leaders here. And if you have a Bible with you, would you turn to Joshua chapter 1? Joshua chapter 1. We are going to continue our study in the book of Joshua. This is a book that I've felt uh, for some time that we should be studying as we are a a people of God, much like the the people that Joshua is leading in the Old Testament story here, that are stepping into the promise of God. We have believed for many years now that God has asked us, Renaissance, this small little church in Decatur, to make more room for more people. And so we have labored into that. We've asked you to give above and beyond what you normally give. We have asked people to work tirelessly to help us in that. Um, And we are on the verge of crossing into that promise of more room for more people. And we're believing that God is going to, to use our faithfulness and his strength, okay, to bring more people to know Jesus Christ as their savior. Um, I just, I can't overstate that enough. That, if for any reason you, th- you think our goal is anything other than that, you've misheard our heart over the last two years. It is truly that people would encounter Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as their Savior, as the one who loves them, sees um, their need for him, and is desperate to introduce himself to them. So that's been our whole push. So as we've been studying Joshua, we've been looking at that story of God's people crossing over the Jordan River, you know, into the promised land of God, the inheritance that God had given them. And last week we saw where uh, Moses, the, the de facto leader of the Israelite people, had been leading them for decades. Had, uh, God had used them tremendously to do great things in their nation's history, um, freeing them out of Egypt, going up the mountain, bringing them the commandments, setting up the tabernacle, doing all these wonderful things. But Moses had died at this point. And, the, and God's people were then concerned about their own destiny because it appeared as if their destiny was somehow tied to Moses' destiny. If de- and if Moses had died, then maybe the the promises of God had died. And we studied last week, that's not in fact true. That God's promises, look at me, God's promises will live past anything that you think, right, is bringing them to you. God's promises will live past the dead things in your life. God's promises will continue because they are birthed out of him and sustained by him, by nothing else this world offers, Okay, I see some nods out there, but it really helped me if you just say, yes, I agree with you. Yes, God's promises. God is the promise maker and and the keeper of those promises. And it's his strength that keeps them. And so God commissioned Joshua to take Moses' place. And Joshua, just so you know, to put all the cards on the table here, is a shadow or a picture of Jesus who is to come. There are many things in the Old Testament that we see that appear to be pointing to something that is later fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Joshua, whose name means God saves or God, the Lord's salvation, is really pointing to Jesus. So while we're studying Joshua, we're looking for Jesus in all of this as well. 
And Joshua is commissioned by God to take his people into the promised land, into their inheritance, which is a picture of what Jesus does for us. Doesn't he come and rescue us from our own selves and our own sin to take us into eternal life and the abundant life, which we have no recourse or way to get there on our own? Joshua is a picture of Jesus who does that for us. And Joshua stood before his people and he said this, you think the promises of God are dead, but they're not. So let's do this together. Let's all stand up and get ready to cross the river together. And so today, I want to read verses 10 through 18, where we see how Joshua speaks to his people here and wants them to cross over. Um, I do want to say this one other thing before I move on. Um, One of the refrains from the first nine verses of chapter one was God's uh, command to Joshua to be strong and courageous. It's sort of a a theme uh, that we see all through this book, but three times in nine verses, God had commanded Joshua to be strong and courageous. And he, he doesn't just command him to be those things and then abandon him to try to muster it up on himself. He actually tells him how he can be strong. He tells him how he can have courage. And he says, you'll find those things because I'm with you. Just like um, I was with Moses, he said, I will be with you too. So be strong and be courageous. Now for us, I want you to understand this. As believers, and if you're a Christian here, that you would know this to be true, that we also can have strength and courage um, because God is with us as well. See, when we uh, have faith to believe in Jesus Christ as Son of God, our Savior, if you will, um, Ephesians chapter 1, I think, tells us that, that God gives us uh, the seal of the Holy Spirit. We always talk about this being sort of a down payment, that God's Spirit, His presence, comes to His people who have faith to believe in Jesus. And this seal or down payment or mark, it, it's a promise, if you will, or a picture of the promise that we eventually have in, in eternity, right? John 3.16, if you want to have eternal life, you believe in Jesus Christ, his son, all that stuff, right? But not just the hope of eternal life, the inheritance that is to come someday, but also, hear me, an inheritance that God has for us now. So we have the ability to live the life that Jesus says is the abundant life, and we only do that through the Spirit's presence in us. So just as God said to Joshua, I will be with you, be strong and courageous. Hear me when I say this. God's Spirit is with you here and now. Be strong and be courageous. And this lands us to this place of where we're Um, in an already and not yet sort of fulfillment of God's promises. We have the hope of eternal life, but we're not there yet. And I'm telling you, if you've been taught a gospel that says you have to wait until you die to see the things of God, you have been lied to. (laughs) The gospel is not suffer until you make it, right? The The gospel is know Jesus, receive the Spirit, overcome as we were already singing this morning, overcome things in your life by God's spirit. And then one day when you breathe your last here on earth, hallelujah, your next breath is in heaven. It just happens like this. It's a transaction that's kaboom. It just happens. But why wait for that? And so that is sort of a picture of Israel. Just so you know, back to Joshua here, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River. 
Some of the tribes have already received their inheritance. We'll get to that in a moment. But the rest of them have not. So they too, like us, are in a position of already and not yet. Already and not yet. I have some of it, but not all of it. And Joshua is talking to his people and leading his people in that sort of uh, environment. So that being said, let me read Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. I hope that's review enough for you. Um, If not, you could truly read Joshua in a couple, uh, 20 minutes or so, if you just spend some time reading it on your own, and you'll catch up with what's happening here. Starting here in verse 10, we'll put the words on the screen. You can follow along there. So Joshua commanded the officers of the people, and he says this, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and to go in to take possession of the land that your Lord is giving you to possess. And so to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who are those people? We'll get to it. (laughs) We'll get to it. Uh, Joshua said to those tribes, those people, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And he said this, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest I underlined that and circled it in my Bible. Who needs rest? (laughs) Right here. Anyway, so I'm giving you a place of rest and will give you this land. But verse 14, he says, your wives and your little ones, your children and your livestock, they shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as well as he has to you and that they also are to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land the Moses, the servant of the Lord gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. They have the land to the east of the Jordan And he's asking them to go into the west side, the west bank of the Jordan, to help everyone else get the land. And when that's all done and they have their rest, then you can go back over, is what he says. And then verse 16, and this is uh, powerful for us. And they responded. They answered to Joshua. And he says, all that you have commanded us to do, we will do. And wherever you send us, we are going to go. And just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we're going to obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Four times now in one chapter, four times. Be strong and courageous. Um, Sometimes when I study to teach, I have a very clear picture of where I'm, I'm headed. I have a sensing that the Lord wants to say a specific thing to us as a church. Um, By confession, I just want you to know, I did not necessarily have that this week. I thought I had it on Monday or Tuesday, and then I lost it. And then I thought I found it again on Thursday or Friday, and then I lost it again. So I just want you to know, I have just scribbled some notes, earmarked with post-it notes in my Bible, that the Lord might lead us to, and I trust by the Spirit of God that I'll land on one that I think would be best for us, okay? Um, I I pray that for us. I hope that God would speak to us, his people. So would you pray for me that we would receive from him? Pray with me, Lord. God, I thank you that you have given um, more than we could possibly imagine in your son Jesus and the spirit of God. Uh, We need, though, one thing from you today, Lord, that you would speak to your people, maybe hope or faith or encouragement or strength or whatever it is, God. We ask for that, that it would come to us. We ask that you'd use the Bible teaching here, the study of scripture and 
and uh, the Spirit himself to help us understand and see those things. We thank you for everything that you've done for us in the past and everything that you do for us now and, and even those things that you'll do for us in the future, Lord. We love you and we thank you for our time together. And I pray, Lord, that you are worshiped in this place today. I pray that you honestly see our hearts, that you have transformed so many of us. And I, I pray that, that we would give genuine worship back to you today. I pray that for myself and I pray that for others, Lord. We thank you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, I have about 45 minutes left, so let's keep going here. Uh, verse 10 says, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. So it appears there's some type of hierarchy in the people of God. Joshua is now the leader commanded by God himself to go lead the people. And then he speaks to these officers, these sort of under shepherds under him to go speak to all of the people that which they're about to do. And he says, I want you to pass through the midst of all the camp. And so this is probably million, two million, three million people, a ton of people out on the east side of the Jordan River. I want you to go into all the camp and command the people to prepare their provisions for within three days, they're about to launch an offensive to go into the promised land. Now, I find it fascinating that God is telling them to prepare their provisions and this was lost on me until I ran across just a little bitty note in one of the commentaries that I was reading. Up until this point, God himself had been providing for them by giving them manna from heaven. Does anyone know what manna is? And Well, the answer is we kind of know what it is. We've heard of it. We don't know what it is. It appears to be this, this grain-like, coriander-like seed that God would bring from heaven every morning, basically. And the Israelites would gather it up and grind it together to make a flour, and they would make, like, bread or pancakes out of it. I don't know. They would make something and they would eat of it. And they have been receiving this manna from heaven, this provision from God for over, see you later, for over four decades, right? For over four decades. And now God says through Moses, I want them to do something different. I want them to gather up some of their own provisions and take with them. Do you see this? So they're in the east side of the promised land. Some of the tribes have already inherited something. And in those places, there's already crops and fig trees and, and all, all kinds of things. And, and God is telling them, I want you to gather some of that stuff up and, and put it in your backpacks and take it with you when you cross the river. And why is this important? Because in a few days, we'll see that God will actually stop the provision of manna. He's actually going to change how he provides for them. Instead of giving them daily this manna from heaven, he's going to allow them to live in the promises or the inheritance, and the promise itself will begin to provide. But there's this little time in between that they have to take some provision with them. They're going to learn to live off the promises of God. There's this time when God changes how he provides for people. Some seasons, God does this for you. And then all of a sudden, it just appears to dry up, and you go, where has he been? He's lead. Oh, do you see it? He's he's leading you somewhere else. Oh Lord. Oh, but a a rebellious and stubborn people would we be? Should we just continue to gather all the things that God just gives us and gives us and gives us? We would never move sometimes if the Lord doesn't just gently go uh -uh, and pull the plug on that. And He does so out of love and encouragement. In fact, we see this almost all through the Old Testament. There are things that God does for his people that he never does again. 
There are things given to his people in the Old Testament that they're no longer required to use or have in the New Testament. For example, the law of Moses. We talk about the law of obedience, the law of righteousness. If you wanted to have a relationship with God, you followed all of the rules. And, and, and unfortunately, we've learned that no person can follow all of the rules. The law, Paul says, was given to his people just to prove to them that they can't follow all the rules so that one day something else could be given to them. We call manna bread from heaven. Hear me when I say this. Jesus is also bread from heaven. Come to earth so that we no longer need to fulfill the law because Jesus Christ will fulfill it on our behalf. And by faith in him, we have the liberty to go live with Jesus instead of being bound by the law forever. He says, gather up some provisions because God's changing how he's going to lead you now. I was a young Christian. I mean, I wasn't young. I was, I was in my mid-20s. You know, that's ancient some days, right? I feel, um, until I turn 50, that's ancient. Um, but I feel, I feel like my relationship with God was quite static to start. It appeared very much the same. Like God showed a lot of um, grace to me, a lot of, I had a lot of faith to believe. And then over time, I felt like my faith was starting to wane. And I actually had to go out and seek God for more faith. Has anyone else experienced this before? Like when you first became a believer, it's like all like wonderful and, and you know, flowers and posies or whatever, all this wonderfulness. And then, and then after a while, you realize it's got to be more than this. And it is more than this. And God asks us to go grab what the more is from him. And so for me through Bible study and prayer and fasting and through some of these things, I want to go grab a hold of God, more of him. He changed how my relationship with him was, was being lived out in my life. He, he provided manna for a while and it was good and it was easy. I just gathered it. And then, and then there was another time when he asked me to get up and go take some stuff, get up and go get some things. Now hear me, God is free to give them to us, but he asks us, to go get them. Um, that took longer than I intended, so forgive me. Um, but that feels right. That feels right to talk about those things. Prepare your provisions, for within three days you're going to pass over, and you're going to take possession of the land that your Lord, the Lord your God is giving to you, he says in verse 11. Verse 12, he keeps writing, he says, and to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said these things. Now, who are the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh? Uh, I don't want to belabor this, but just for a little context. Um, Israel, the nation of Israel, was um, broken into 12 different tribes. Possibly you've heard this before, the 12 tribes of Israel. Just know this, Israel, before it was a nation, was a person. Did you know that? There's a man in the Old Testament, we, we call him Jacob. God changed his name to, to Israel, right? And Jacob had 12 sons. The 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, became the 12 tribes of Israel. So all of those sons grew in more numbers, more wives, more kids, more, more, more wives, more kids, and all of that. And the, the people group grew, I know it sounds weird, but the people, why? But the people, 
grew into these mighty little tribes. These 12 tribes made up one nation. Okay, we're all good. So Moses is leading them through the desert to the promised land. And when they get close to the promised land, three of the tribes, or two and a half, Reuben and Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh, they realize we'd rather stay here. Because they were shepherders, the Bible tells us. They had a lot of livestock, and the land east of the Jordan is better for livestock. So they asked Moses back in the day, is it okay if we just stay here? And what did Moses say? Well, number one, you're really making me angry is what he said. He says, why would you want to stay here when God has promised this over there? You're going to discourage everyone else from going, he says. But they con- Moses conceded and gave them that land with this condition. When we cross over the Jordan River, he says, I want you to know you're going to have to pack up and go with them too. You're going to have to pack up all your mighty men, go with them and fight their battles with them. And then when you give them their promised land, then you can come back to the east side. So this is what's happening. This is the context of that story. So he tells those tribes, remember what Moses said to you? It's okay if you have this inheritance. It's okay if you have this land, but you must now take all of your men, right? Leave your wives and your little ones behind and cross over with everyone else so that they can use your strength also to get their land. I find this fascinating that when he says uh, to, for all the men to leave their wives and their little ones and, and all their livestock behind, I want you to consider what a frightening proposition that must have been to them. I need every strong man that you have available to abandon all of the, the women and the children and the, the livestock to come fight. If this is what God's asking you to do, think of how terrifying that is. Well, who's going to protect them then if I leave? Who's going to protect them? I'll go with them to fight in the, in the promised land. But if another neighboring nation comes and wars against our wives and children, who's going to protect, protect them? And hear me when I say this. God is telling us oftentimes through stories like this that when he leads us into new places and new things, we are sometimes too frightened to move because we're afraid of how this whole thing's going to get untangled or how this whole thing's going to get taken care of. If I leave, who on, who on earth is going to take care of all this stuff? And I'm telling you who it is. It's God is going to take care of it. Who's going to protect our wives and children? God's like, uh, in the back row, over here. I, I will. The, the very one who's going to give you this land, that's the one who's going to take care of all this. Who's going to protect my livestock from being taken? Who's going to protect my children from being abused? God is going to do those things. Who's going to take care of all the things that I'm leaving behind when I get called into something else? God is. We mistake ourselves if we think we're the ones that sustain and hold up all of the things that God's called us to. If we're the only one who can do these things, oh, this is so for me. This is for me, Lord. I receive this. If, if you think you're the only one who can do what you're doing, you don't understand who God is. Don't you smile at me. Todd's been like, I've been telling you that for years. Todd and I are no longer friends. (laughs) They had to have faith, a complete faith that God was not only leading them into something, but taking care of what was behind them as well. And they did. And it says here in verse 16 that they answered the people. 
or they answered Joshua. The people answered, sorry. So Joshua's asked the, the officers to go through the camp and ask them to get ready. And then he's, he's gone to the three tribes and says, I need you to get ready. And those two people groups have come together and all responded to Joshua uh, with this response. They answered him, all that you have commanded us, we will do. All that you've asked, we're going to do it for you. I need you to see um, sort of nestled inside of that response is a couple things that is important for us to understand. When, when God, the promise maker and promise keeper, comes to us and asks us to do something um, for him, know this, that the promise or whatever he's made available to us is already established there. We just have to step into it to, to receive it, right? So first off, know this, the life of a Christian is the life of, uh, of action. Um, we're responders, if you will. When God asks us to do something, we do the thing, okay? And we ask God for faith and trust to do so, but we, we're, we're an active faith. It's not some passive thing. Now, I make that distinction because for, for many uh, decades now, people have been bemoaning the fact that the church in the Western world, whether it be the UK, Canada, US, the, the attendance numbers have rapidly, rapidly been declining. Has anyone else heard this? That churches just aren't as full as they used to be. Now, that just doesn't seem to be the case here at Renaissance, but in general, the churches across the Western world, the, the attendance is decreasing. And I don't get concerned by that at all. I think what's happened, this is just me. I'll stand over here away from the Bible. This is me. I think the church over time has become a purveyor of goods to some people. And when it served the needs of the people, when, when they received the goods that the, the church was providing for them, everything was fine. But since when the church stopped providing said goods to them, the consumers that were coming to those churches for those goods stopped coming. And the people that are left... <laughs> I would say are Christians and the people that are gone were consumers or pre-Christians, whatever you want to call them. But they'd have this misunderstanding that the church was to provide goods and services to them. And I know people who look at churches in that way. What's their uh, children's ministry like? Ouch. Been there, done that. Well, they have a youth group or not? Dude, I tell me, I, listen, we long to serve the families. <laughs> Trust me, I, we desire to have an incredible youth group and great children's programs. But, uh, but more importantly, we're here to serve you Jesus, right? And the response of the Christian is, is that. It's a response. It's action. And that's what we're trying to show. So anyways, uh, side note there. So they responded that the Christian life is not one of just spectating, but engaging. Say amen, and I'll move on. Yes. Oh, I don't like this church. So... <laughs> Why can't they just give me my latte and donut and shut up already? Um, which, by the way, we have lattes and donuts if you want one. God, I would pray that if you would come to church for some time, you'd move beyond the lattes and donuts. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm an every weekend latte and donut guy, but my desire would be that we would move well beyond that, that the church would be something greater than that. Anyways, so they respond. But I want you to see that their faith is growing. And I say that because of this. It wasn't many years before that this same group of people was standing in this exact same spot. 
and they sent, uh, this is when Moses was still alive, and they sent 12 spies into the land to see what it looked like. In fact, here, check this. It was God himself who commanded Moses, send 12 spies in to look at the land, see what it's like, and see if the people are strong or weak. This is the, t- the commands, right, from God. They send 12 spies in. When those 12 spies come back, 10 of the 12 are terrified of the people over there. They're terrified to go in there. The people are huge, they say. We look like grasshoppers to them. If, if God sends us across the river into that land, we're going to all be murdered, they say. Except for two people, two of the 10 spies, one of them was named Caleb and the other one was named who? Joshua. This cat right here. Joshua. Those two people said, listen, if God is giving us this land, and yes, there's giant people over there or big, vast armies over there, that doesn't matter because if God is giving it to us, then he's going to give it to us, right? But many years ago, they decided not to go. And because of that, God made them wander in the desert for 40 years. So here they come back. Moses stands before them with the exact same language. Everyone rise. We're all crossing over in three days. Got your stuff? Let's go. And this time they say, yes. Are the giants no longer there? No, they're still there. In fact, they're probably even greater. They've had 40 years to increase in size. Many of those nations are even more fortified now. So why is it yes now and when it wasn't yes 40 years ago? It's because they know who God is more now. I've been a Christian 24 years, and, and I, I say this oftentimes here. My, my faith at, a, at 24 years old in, in the faith as a Christian is so much different than what it was when I first started. And if your faith is not different than when you started, I would argue you're doing it wrong. I mean, the object of our faith never moves. Did did you hear me wrong? The object of our faith, it's Jesus Christ. I'm just saying the things God calls us to will will grow in intensity and fear and all of this stuff. And we trust and we have faith to believe in greater and greater measure. This is the life of the believer. 40 years have passed. They saw him provide 40 years faithfully manna from heaven so that they could live. They saw water come from rocks. They saw God protect them when marauding bands would come in. They saw God open up the earth and swallow Sinners. They, they saw God do amazing things. So for 40 years now, they've walked with this miraculous God. And when God says, hey, ready? Ready? Shall we go now? Now they have the ability to say, yes, let's go. They trust God more. They said, yes, Joshua, all that you have commanded us, verse 16, all of this stuff we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just side note, um, this is just talk. <laughs> They'd said the same thing to Moses, and they were consistently rebellious, consistently um, complaining, consistently showing outright disobedience to Moses leading, and they're going to be doing the exact same thing to Joshua. If you know the, the, the story here, they say yes and amen to Joshua now, but in a few short months or whatever, they'll, they'll grumble and complain against him. 
And, and I say that for this reason. And, and yet, God still sent Joshua to lead them. At no point does God rescind the promise. At no point does he say, too bad, y'all. You just didn't have enough faith to believe it. I'm taking it back. And these disobedient, grumbling, complaining type people still get the leader Joshua to take them into the promised land reminds me a lot of me and you, mostly you. I don't know, it's all of us. Aren't we also grumbly and, is that a word? <laughs> Complaining and disobedient, willfully disobedient. Not like you're just like, whoops, I didn't mean to disobey there, but like, no, I'm not doing what you're asking me to do. And yet God still sends Jesus, the real Joshua, to lead us. He does that. For them, he did it for us, too. And the last thing I want to show you, I have a, a minute here, is that when he speaks to Israel and the, the ten and a half tribes or nine and a half tribes are going to go over into the, the promised land and the two and a half there, they're going to stay back but eventually. But it just says that there has to be a, a unity that happens in the body of Christ. And that even though we have already received some great things from God and inheritance of the Holy Spirit and abundant life and this and that, by no means are we allowed to just sit on our, um, sit on the benefits and the things that God has given us and not labor on behalf of other people who don't have it yet. Did I say that right? Let me say it this way. Um, God has given us an inheritance in his son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But we're, we're not allowed to just sit there and hold on to that like it only belongs to us. But we've been commanded by Jesus himself, just like God is using Joshua to command those people to go help others get into the promises of, of God. When, um, when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, right, the, the Great Commission, the end of everything. Right? or the beginning of everything. It depends on how you look at it. But when he sends the people out into the world, he says this to them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying what God was saying to Joshua. I need you to pack up and I need you to go in there and I need you to take people with you and show them what the promised land looks like. This is why we invite our friends to tacos and tell them about your transformed life because Jesus is real. He's not some spooky fairy tale thing. The Bible's trustworthy. This is why we spend time studying the Bible and teaching others so that they can have faith to believe too. Because God is not just asking us to receive the inheritance and hold it for our own, but to share it with those around us who are in need. We do that in all things, in our resources of time and our wealth and whatever else, but we do it with the resources of the gospel of Jesus. The truth and love of Jesus exists for you and for others. We will do whatever you say to do. In a Matthew 28, we don't hear the response of the disciples. Jesus just gives the command to go. So let's do that. 
here we go. So let's do this. If the commands were given to the disciples, then the same commands are given to us. Would you agree? Jesus is basically saying to us what he said to them, go into the nations, teach people the truth and love of Jesus, baptize them, teach them everything that I've told you. Jesus says, I'll be with you always. Okay, that's the, the command. So what do you say? What do you say? You, you want to go? Do you want to do that? Do you want to be a church who's known for that? Or do you just want to be known for having handsome pastors and <laughs> mediocre worship and no, it's a joke. It's, hey, oh my God. <laughs> all right. All right. I see my time here is done. No, that's just to be honest. That's my prayer as of late. You know, I'm, I've said this to, I've said this to like other pastor friends of mine. I've said this to other people. Um, Renaissance can gather people. We just know how to do that. I'm thankful for that. We can put on the show, if you want to call it that. Our technology is pretty great. We rehearse really hard. We strive for excellence, miss it most weeks, but we strive for it. We, we want all of these things. We want to gather people. But hear me, I want to be known for more than that. I want to be known for a, to be a faithful witness to Jesus. That when they come here, they'll get a donut and a latte and a great show, if you will. But the, the gospel will be preached. The Holy Spirit will be present. That lives can be transformed. That's the command from God through Jesus. So what do you say? That's what I want. I want to say yes. So I'm, I'm leading you into this. So when the band returns and we go into a time of worship, why don't we just pause for a moment, consider the mercy and the grace that God had given us, and then ask or answer the question that he's asking of you. Will you go help others find the promised land? Will you go help others reach what you have? Will you spend now your inheritance on others so that they too can inherit it? Is this making sense? Is this making sense? Okay, so um, we're, we're gonna let the band come back and we'll pray that and we'll ask God, um, we'll respond to God. Ugh, trying to talk. We'll respond to God. I'm not asking like any one thing. I'll stand up if you say yes, but just if you want to say yes, just tell him, yes, I wanna do this. And, but I'm afraid of how it's gonna turn out. I'm afraid of what this is gonna look like. Just like they were, trust me, he'll lead you into it. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for our time. It seems to come and go so quickly. But I pray, Lord, that you would just stay with us. Um, you would stay with us in, um, in your word, in the, uh, the promptings that the Holy Spirit is, is uh, giving us even now that you would stay with us. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to respond to you like the people responded to Joshua. Yes, God, we will do whatever you say. Yes, God, we will go wherever you go. <laughs> that's, that's the type of people we want to be, Lord God. And if we're not willing to do that, would you lovingly tell us why? 
Is it because we're too prideful? Is it because we're too fearful? Is it any number of reasons? And Lord, would you just lead us through those things as well? Not only can you overcome sin and death and the grave through your son Jesus, but you can overcome pride. You can overcome fear. You can overcome any obstacle that stands be between us and obedience. So God, I just pray that you would be with us these next few minutes. Let us to respond to you. Let us to worship you. And let us to thank you for this church. God, we thank you that you've put us together as this sort of group of people that come together and call ourselves uh, Renaissance. Uh, we love you, Lord God. Thank you for everything you've done and continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. And I want to encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God, which might be getting involved with a group of other believers. If you'd like to be a part of what's going on here at Renaissance, then please connect with us on social media or online at renaissancedecatur.org.